Hello, Tim Williams here. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Thanks for choosing to listen to one of our archived episodes from our early days of launching the show. Although I love the overall content of these episodes, I will say the recording quality was not always the best as the show was still evolving and I was learning to record and edit pretty much on the fly. I believe the sound quality and editing has improved from season to season, so be sure to check out more great episodes in our more recent seasons. I hope you enjoy this episode and that it rekindles all those warm and fuzzy nostalgic feels. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Hello movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams and I'm your host for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast where we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser known treasures we've discovered on cable TV or the now defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter what film we choose from week to week, we'll have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes facts about the cast and crew along the way. So let's jump right into today's episode. Thanks for listening. The 1980s in Hollywood was filled with more high school movies about slackers and smart alecks than anyone actually needed, especially when it came to featuring students who looked like they were older than the teachers. Summer school was always perhaps the most underrated of the decade's tributes to academic slackers, because what it lacked in the typical star power of, say, a John Hughes film, it more than made up for it in creating arguably one of the most creative collective of teenage misfits than any film in the genre. At the same time, it showed that Harmon, who was probably best known at the time for his role as the HIV-positive Dr. Robert Caldwell on St. Altswear, had a strong sense of comedy while also confirming that Kirstie Alley was much, much more than just a really attractive Vulcan. We're talking about summer school. So here we are. We got a great uh, episode in line for you guys today, and I'm back with my good friend, Mr. Laramie Wells. Say hello, Laramie. Hello, Laramie. <laughs> so the good thing about this uh, this episode is this is a movie that I've seen several times. I had not seen it in a long time, but Laramie had actually never seen this movie before uh, signing off for this episode. And because he's a school teacher, I thought it was a double treat for him to... Uh, uh, to add his insights, but there's this is his first non Stephen King movie or adaptation adaptation that we're doing, um, and he's not read a book based on this episode on this movie, so he's bringing a whole new perspective on this episode. So, um, your first thoughts? We haven't talked about this beforehand, so this is all fresh and new. So, what's your what was your first impression of Summer School, or what did you expect? Did you watch the trailer or anything before you saw it? No, no. I, well, I mean, I was familiar with the movie. Okay. Um, and as I watched it, I was like, oh, you know what? I have seen like, seen like, you know, flipping through the channels right? and it being on television, but I, I had never seen the movie from beginning to end. Um, 
so I, I didn't really have any expectations. I I honestly expected it to be probably a little funnier. Right. Um, right. I, I didn't find many parts that made me chuckle. Uh, as a as a teacher, there were many parts that made my jaw drop. <laughs> made um, you cringe too, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, just made me go, no, <laughs> no, that can't happen. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it was an enjoyable uh, '80s comedy. It's one of those that I think it's you know a great one just for that you know weekend afternoon when you ain't got anything else to do. Right, right. Uh, but it's not one that I'm going to be putting on like my. You know, list no. of top no. 80s comedies or anything. <laughs> no, it's not on mine either. And really, it's one that I'd kind of forgotten about. And um, so just kind of thinking about summer movies, it somewhat kind of got stirred in my in my memory. But I think, I mean, I didn't see this from the theater. This was not something I even probably knew was at the theater. I'm pretty sure I saw this one on VHS later. And I actually want to say my sister, I think, might have rented it or... Uh, at that time, I th- we, we lived somewhere where they had a library that had big VHS where you could check out videos um, that was cheaper than going to the, the uh, video store. And I want to say that she actually had checked it out and was watching it. And I kind of saw bits and pieces of it and then watched it for myself. And then it just became one of those movies where if I wanted something silly to watch, especially like during the summer on summer vacation, it was one that was easily available and we would just check out, you know, over and over again and watch. Um and there's some really fun. I mean, there's some funny scenes, like probably funny because I remember seeing them for the first time. Um, I did. I can say I chuckled a little bit on it, but it's not a laugh out loud kind of like, you know, really really funny movie. It has some. Uh, it has some funny moments. So yeah. But um, one thing I will say that, and we'll kind of as we get a little bit into some of the behind the scenes here. Um, when I noticed watching it this time, a name that popped up in the credits caught my attention immediately. I don't know if you know about this, but um, the uh, Jeff Franklin, do you know who Jeff Franklin is? Yeah, he did Full House. Yes. So when I saw yeah. his name pop up, I was like, wait a minute, I'd recognize that name uh, from Full House and, of course, now Fuller House on Netflix, which my daughter is somewhat obsessed with. And she's watched the new season just came out on Netflix, I, I guess, uh, the beginning of June. So she went back to season one and watched all of Fuller House from season one to the end. Um, so I haven't caught the last season of that. But um, but I can see some of his DNA kind of in the movie as he was the screenwriter. Um, so it, I will say the movie is more endearing than it is funny. There's, you know, parts of it that, like Full House is endearing. It's not the greatest television sitcom ever made. And it's not, you know, it wasn't going to win any you know, awards for acting or for script or storytelling, but it has an endearing quality. And so I, I think that's what I kind of garnered from the movie as well. So, well, and then it also, it very much could have lent, lent itself to being a series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, cause he, he agrees to make all of these, you know, wishes mm-hmm. uh, for the kids and, you know, doing a episode per kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. To yeah. where he focuses on each kid. Uh and there because was that, yeah. that was the thing about the movie. The movie it was just kind of like this happened, and now this is happening. Yeah, yeah. And this is happening. Yeah. There was really no no build. Mm-hmm. There was no. You didn't really see any type of story arc. No. Uh, develop. It was. It was very choppy. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that, especially this time. This watching it this time, and there were times, kind of especially in the beginning, there were aspects like 
this was really kind of a glor glorified quote unquote TV movie. I mean, this could have easily been like one of those network, you know, get a couple of teenage stars from your sitcoms, put them yeah. as the kids and then the wacky teacher and just kind of this kind of zany off the wall, you know, summer movie for kids. Um, but, you know, he, you know, being a PG, you know, uh, I think it was PG-13. I don't remember if it was PG, but it wasn't super edgy, but there was some language and some things in it that was a little, you couldn't get away. Yeah. You couldn't have got away with on network TV back then for sure, but. No, uh, and yeah, underage drinking. Yeah. And, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but it did, ta you know, once again, that kind of that endearing of tackling some kind of, which would, at that time would have been serious issues, like I said, teenage drinking, dyslexia. Uh, the you know reading uh, learning disabilities, um, teenage pregnancy, teenage pregnancy, which were which were you know, at that time you know kind of bigger deals that probably would have been harder to sell on a TV movie than uh, in the theater maybe so. Yeah, would have made for a great you know after after school special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so originally, Amy Heckerling, who directed Fast Times at Ridgemount High, was hired to direct Summer School. Uh, she was actually directing episodes of the TV series Fast Times that was based on the film, and she had tapped two actors from that show, Patrick Dempsey and uh, Wallace Langham, I don't know who that is, to play Chainsaw and Dave, who Chainsaw and Dave were probably my two favorite characters uh, then and now. Um, Dean Cameron, who played uh, Chainsaw, was also on Fast Times as Spicoli and wanted to be in the movie. However, when Paramount shelved a film that Carl Reiner had been making, Cameron says Paramount offered Reiner any film that they had in development, and he picked Summer School because he said the script held his interest and made him laugh. Heckerling was out, as was Dempsey and Langham. Cameron said he had the opportunity to audition for Chainsaw, and he actually read with Henry Thomas from E.T. For the, for the role of Dave, which eventually went to Gary Riley. Riley had just had a role in Rob Reiner's movie Stand By Me. There's our connection. So there's a good chance Reiner recommended Riley to his father, Carl. So... I didn't even realize that was the same guy in both movies watching it until I saw it in yeah, the notes. I don't think I did either. So I didn't recognize some of the other uh, so that's about so so okay, so he's connected to Stand By Me, of course. Uh Courtney Thorne Smith I had recognized from Revenge of the Nerds Part Two. <laughs> um now I mean obviously later she did uh, Allie McBeal and uh, according was, to Jim she was in um, Melrose Place that was her big uh, yeah. her big break, break. I, I didn't watch it but I know that no, I didn't she was watch in. that one but um and then uh, the girl that played Denise yeah um, she was actually in Night Run Elm Street Part Five right right uh, I had remember her from that and uh, and then the one that shocked me um, Rhonda the the pregnant right, student right. Uh, I didn't know this, but I kept looking at her going, she looks familiar. So I had to look her up and turns out that she was Amanda in the Saw movies. Right, right. Um, and that, that's the one that just shocked me. Um, so, uh, the, the foreign exchange student, funny enough, I had actually just a few days before, uh, watched her in, uh, Bride of Reanimator. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, no, lots of 80s connection uh, with other movies there. Um, but yeah, I didn't recognize, originally didn't recognize Chainsaw and Dave, but now, mm -hmm. now that you said that about Dave, uh, but I didn't recognize Chainsaw from anything else. No. I And really, uh, I thought he would have... You talk about Fast... I actually, I've never seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High either. The movie? Yeah, so uh, Fast... Yeah, 
Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I've seen the movie all the way through once. I've seen like bits and pieces of it, like being on TV, like growing up seeing bits and pieces on TV, I think. But um, definitely a different, and that's, that would have been, yeah, it's totally a different type of movie than Summer School. It's much more heavy handed, much more, even though it was a comedy, there was a lot of drama in that movie. It's, that's, that's like one of those true coming of age kind of teen movies. Um, but a different, uh, different slant for sure. So. Well, and summer school, that's again, summer school had the pieces for that. Right. Um, I mean, each kid had their own thing, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and you had places where they could really go deep. And I, I just, you know, part of me really wanted, uh, Mr. Shoop mm-hmm. to, to really delve into some of that and he never does no. and that, that kind of disappointed me because I mean you had maybe the one the one scene where uh, Chainsaw and Dave tell their story about the uh, where they wrote a paper about the makeup artist right Rick Baker um, yeah but you never really had an, anything in which he tried to find something that connected to the kid's life right right and and I just thought there was so much potential there, um, and it just fell short. Uh, you know, th- there really could have been a lot of good drama mm-hmm. um, in this. So, so I wonder if that goes with Carl Reiner being the director. I mean, he's not really known as a drama guy. I mean, he's straight up comedy, and even his little cameo at the beginning as the uh, the original summer school teacher that wins the lotto and and bails on everybody. I mean, that to me, that scene, like going back and watching, like his little scene there when he's like, I won, I won, I won. And he was like, I'm in this place. And it's so zany and like so out of character for any real teaching professional. I mean, I'm sure if you won the lottery tomorrow, you wouldn't just walk in their office and be like, I quit, I quit. I'm, you know, and what do you win? Like $50,000? He's like, that's enough to. <laughs> Which I'm sure was a lot more money back in 87, but still. Um, but you probably wouldn't dance out of the uh, the principal's office, knowing you you know you won the lottery. But it kind of okay. kind of set the tone of this I, is the I've type seen, of humor I've seen we're gonna get. Of the lottery ruined my life. Um, <laughs> to not burn those bridges. Right. Exactly. But, but that takes me back again as a teacher. That takes me right there at the beginning. I'm watching it, and I actually chuckled at the scene where the kids are turning in the textbooks. Yes. And and. The girl turns in the textbook that has never been cracked. <laughs> yeah. um, and the teacher sells that really well. Yeah. That was the first time the book had ever been opened. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, you kind of tie that into the fact, because if I'm remembering right, that mm. was the girl you find out later dyslexic. Right. So yep. I, I, I just thought that was a funny scene to me because I was like, that's that's something that happens. Right, right. Um, and of course, you know, Carl Reiner's teacher... Uh, scratching the lottery tickets, trying to win. I mean, that happens pretty much with any job, mm-hmm. you know, people trying to find a way out. But then what wasn't believable, oh, and what also was believable was uh, Mr. Shoup with his class counting down. Yeah, I was going to ask you if that, have you ever done that yeah. in one of your classes? No, now, now going back to the unbelievability, uh, the teacher should have already collected the books before that very last day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but no, but then when, when Carl Reiner's character says he's not going to do it and the vice principal is looking for a new teacher, I'm just sitting there going, 
wait, it's an English class. You have to have an English teacher. You can't just be randomly asking teachers right. to to do this. As they're speeding out of the parking lot on the last day of school. Yeah. yeah. I was also very curious about the fact that they made it sound like the only reason these kids failed was because of a single test. Right, right. That, you know, you don't care, which, you know, back in the day, uh, when I was in high school, there was the high school graduation test. Yeah, I remember that. Of course, if you didn't pass it, you couldn't graduate, Mm -hmm. but you still still got credit for classes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so I'm just sitting there going, so one test, it doesn't matter what you do the entire year. It comes down to one test, and I was that kind of made me sad a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, but no, you're right off the bat. I'm already going into all of the the you know is this believable from a uh, a teaching standpoint, right? And so I, I was also very curious uh, when he starts the class and the students start to get up to leave. You know, eventually the one the big guy eventually comes back right at the end right but i went wasn't there like 10 other kids that got it like that was a full class <laughs> it was that first day. it was yeah so are we not addressing that these other kids <laughs> just disappeared just walk out like, right um, i mean i get that that's a, a small little unnecessary part of the story but if you got one that's going to return why is there not a reference yeah to all the other ones yeah, to, and then the fact that that kid pulls off, what was it, like a 92 <laughs> yeah. on the test at the end, you're right. going like, why did he, like, why did he fail in the first place? So, but I will say I did like that. I did like, and, you know, spoiler warning for people who had not seen it, I did like that the kids didn't pass. Yeah, at, yeah. Um, that this wasn't, you know, stand and deliver. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, that... I, I like the message of he did teach them. You know, they did show improvement. Right, right. Um, you know, even the principal saying, you know, it was a increase of like a hundred and twenty something percent. Right, right. Uh, even though you know only what it only ended up being like what three of them that actually passed. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, um, or four, because it was three of the regular kids and then then the big guy who showed back up. Right, right. Yeah, so four of them pass. Um, it, no, I did like that, that it wasn't this unbelievable. Because you clearly see that in the, you know, he apparently had them six weeks. Week one was a wash. Yeah. Because um, you assume all that where he was taking them on the field trips mm-hmm. uh, and all was week one. So, you know, you're talking five weeks uh, in which we saw pretty much no teaching in any of the classroom scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's what I think part of the uh, the movie was missing was, you know, just at least show me a lesson or two where you saw how he was able to connect with the kids. Yeah. They were learning from it. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, like you said, if, if it had been a TV show, you would have the time to be able to pace it that way where there is more of a lesson with each student instead of just, that's just a means to an end to get to, you know, a final act where... Oh, they all improved, you know. But yeah, I agree. I mean, the, it the whole blackmail thing, you know, when going back, watching it, thinking about it as a kid, of course, you're not thinking about any of that stuff anyway. Uh, but now as an adult looking at it, it's like, that really wasn't, are you really motivating them or are you just 
they're just they're going to go through the motions anyway. If they're getting what they want, they're not really going to put in the effort. And even you know, once again, spoiler, we're getting a little bit further along. But um, even when he kind of quits and leaves, I didn't understand why all of a sudden they wanted him back so soon. Because like, I mean, just because they you know the vice principal came in, they didn't. None of them really showed like, oh, we're. I never saw remorse from them. Like, oh, we really treated him badly. We shouldn't have done. What we did. It was just yeah. like we want Mr. Shoot back, and you're, we're gonna, you know, put on this big prank to demand him to come back. So, although that was my favorite scene, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling that was gonna be your favorite scene. That was my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I totally agree, and it's it's kind of sad. You know, it's kind of like when you, uh, you know, there's like the memes where you talk about how, as an adult, I side with you know Ariel's father. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, me as a, you know, as a teacher, I'm at the end, I'm really looking, even though the vice principal is definitely the bad guy, I'm really mm-hmm. going, yeah, they're, I, regardless of these scores, they still fail. needs to lose his job <laughs> yeah. uh, because of everything he did. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. His, teach, his teaching certificate should be revoked. Right. Um, but then once again, because, yeah. But then once again, thinking about too, is like, and I feel bad for any gym teachers that saw this movie and was like, they really think that we're really this stupid. You know, it's like, I mean, gym teachers, all the gym teachers in my high school, they had, I mean, they probably taught health, but some of them were also like history teacher or, yeah. you know, they also had at least teach one, one of those kind of classes. Like they couldn't just be PE teachers because they we didn't, I mean, maybe it's the size of the school, but, um, yeah. but they, they weren't, they weren't dummies in any regard. So. Well, no, a few years ago at a high school, I taught at uh, the the head football coach, and he was a very successful football coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a math teacher, um, you know, which was one that you, you usually don't see a lot. Right, right. Uh, but, um, no, yeah. Uh, no, that, that, that kind of hit me, too, where um, Mr. Shoup even says himself, I'm not a real teacher. Yeah. <laughs> And I went, do you know how many PE teachers, fine arts teachers and whatnot are so offended by right, that? Right, right, right. They're trying to break out of that stereotype, so. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, cast. We've kind of talked a little bit about it already. So but so the role of Mr. Shoop was actually originally written for Joan Rivers. Huh. Now, that's not that's not one I saw coming at all. So uh, that would that would have been annoying. Right, right. Uh, Carl Reiner decided to go with a different direction after seeing Mark Harmon play a serial killer, Ted Bundy, in the 1986 made-for-TV movie A Deliberate Stranger. Reiner said Harmon's charm and personality were perfect for the gym teacher and that Harmon actually gave the character surprising depth. It probably helped that Harmon was declared People Magazine's Sexiest Man of the Year in 1986, the year before summer school. He was also the spokesman for Coors Beer. 
Harmon playing a gym teacher and football coach is playing to his strengths. He was a star quarterback for UCLA, and his dad, Tom Harmon, won a Heisman Trophy, play, I'm sorry, Heisman Trophy playing for the University of Michigan. So, um, I didn't really know much about, I didn't watch St. Elsewhere, so I didn't know much about Mark Harmon before I saw this. That was kind of my first uh, introduction to him, I think. I'm a big Bruce Willis fan. Yeah. And he actually played uh, in one a season or two of Moonlighting. Okay. He was actually Sybil Shepard's love interest. Oh, okay. Um, I think his character is even the one that gets her pregnant and all. And, uh, can, you know, kind of build that love triangle. Right, um, right. Because, you know, you can't have Bruce and Sybil end up together. It ruins the show. So right. you got to insert. And I, I know he played the the love interest for Sybil Shepherd on on Moonlighting. So, in terms of back then, mm-hmm. you know that that age. Um, even though I didn't watch those until later, but I was familiar with with his work along those lines. Of course, everybody now knows him. NCIS, uh, but yeah, NCIS. Yeah, you froze up for yeah. a second. So, you, yeah, you froze on my end too. That's why I kind of paused. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Christy Alley. She was pretty famous at the time for uh, of Summer School's release. She was best known for playing Vulcan Savik in Star Trek The Wrath of Khan, which I actually just watched a couple of months ago. She made a strong impression in the popular TV miniseries North and South, and she had just been given the part of replacing Diane, played by Shelley Long, as a love interest for Sam Malone in the 80s legendary TV sitcom Cheers. Uh, Fran Drescher, best known as the nanny, was the only other actress considered for the role of Robin Bishop. Once again, bad. I, I would have been totally annoyed with Fran Drescher. It, it honestly wouldn't have mattered because to me that role was pointless. <laughs> right. Like that. I get that they were trying to give Mr. Shoop a romantic uh, interest, mm-hmm. but there was she didn't she didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, uh, she. You know, even even though, yeah, she's the one that bells Mr. Shoop out of prison or jail. Excuse me. Right. Um. You know, her her character doesn't move the plot forward. Doesn't advance anything. Um. And then all of a sudden, at the end, you know, they're walking on the beach and do a little, uh, you know, classic movie moment. Right. It was just completely, completely pointless. <laughs> Um, right. I have nothing on against you know Kirstie Alley. Um, you know, around the same time, she also did going back to Bruce Willis connection. She did Look Who's Talking. Yep, yep. Um, but uh, but no, her there was no point in her character whatsoever in this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. I like if this movie was made today, there would she would have found some kind of bonding relationship with probably one of the girls. Um, I mean, just kind of thinking about if, if if I was rewriting it for a more modern audience, I would have her somewhat connect with the students and them kind of more like be a tag team instead of her just helping him on the weekends, which really, once again, did she really ever help him? I mean... Yeah, again, that, that, that thing. That I, could, I would have been happy with some of that. You know, kind of... I know this is a completely different type of comedy, more screwball comedy, but even more like in uh, uh, Billy Madison. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the kindergarten teacher helps Billy learn mm-hmm. in the other classes, you know, having her, her showing him some things and 
and then showing him get an idea from what she's taught him to right. take to the classroom. Right. Um, you know, yeah, it was kind of that same thing. It was just like, this happened, now this happened. But we don't know. Um, yeah, the one time we almost got the chance was when she came over uh, to his house and then sees uh, Pam mm-hmm. and then leaves. Right. Um, so... Which, if you want to start start talking about that, <laughs> well, let's go ahead. You're right there. Go ahead. I know I that mean, that. I mean, I cringed several times. Yeah, because even though you know Courtney Thorne's, obviously, you know, you, you made the comment earlier about these comedies, you know, casting much older. Uh, you know, Courtney Thorne Smith, depending on when they exactly filmed this movie, mm-hmm. was still a teenager, right? Possibly. Right. I mean, there's a chance she was 20. But, you know, she could have been 18 or 19 when they right. filmed this. But she said Her she was, yeah, so was 16, yeah. and I was like, yeah. Character says she's 16. And then it's not only, you know, and then she moves in with him. Right. Because that's her, that's her wish. wish. Right. And now they do explain it as to why. Because mm-hmm. she's got, uh, she's got a brother and a sister-in-law, and they have a whole bunch of kids. Right. Um, which then just blew me more away that they were standing right there. Yeah. They were like, we're all good. Yeah, you got a place to stay. Thanks a lot. Here you go. Go ahead and move in with the 30-year-old teacher. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, that, I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is, this is bad. Like, this, there's so much wrong with, that definitely could not be done in a modernized version of this. I mean, it's pushing the limits when, because even even when he agrees to uh, chauffeur chauffeur chainsaw mm-hmm. and Dave, right? You know, it, it's a it's a small thing. It's a thing that can be kind of you know danced around. It's a gray area, but right. it's still something that even us as teachers are told don't do, right? Like right. don't give a kid a ride, right? Um, and so, but that one you're like, okay, okay, yeah. You know, he takes the the pregnant girl, um, or he doesn't take her, but, uh, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he, he doesn't really do, he, ah, I'm going to get my thoughts right. <laughs> That's right. He has all of the kids. I know what I was going to say now. He takes the pregnant girl to a Lamar. amusement park. Oh, right, right. No, he takes to an amusement park. <laughs> that was the one that bothered me. Cause I'm like, she's pregnant and right. she's, you see her in like a go kart, <laughs> um, but yeah, it takes her to Lamaze, which is again that gray area, right? Right. Uh, um, he uh, he throws them a party and provides alcohol. Right. Right. I have known teachers to be fired over that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell one story thinking about thinking about that about you know teachers that kind of Mister Shoop. Not say he reminds me of, but I. I had, funny enough, I had a theater arts teacher in high school. Um, he was also like a English teacher, but did theater arts as well. And we had, the drama club had to make a float for our homecoming parade. So we went to one of the students, her house, they had like a big field or whatever. And so we were building the float and it was like a Saturday afternoon and we were all leaving. And I think I rode with someone there, but I needed a ride back. And it was me and like two other other students or whatever um, there weren't any, any, there were not any in my classes, but I knew them but anyway, but we decided to stop 
uh, like Pizza Hut or somewhere on the way back. Uh, he was like, let's stop and get something to eat. And we're like, cool, that's fine. You know, like we're hanging out with the teachers. Like, and he was one of those, you'd say a quote unquote cool teacher. Um, so I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Well, we sit down to order and he was like, yeah, I can have a pitcher of beer. And the, the, uh, the witch was like, I can't have a, you can't have a pitcher with minors. I can bring you a glass of beer, but you can't have a pitcher. And he's like, okay, that's fine too. And I'm thinking like, if you can't have a pitcher of beer, probably not having beer with students probably shouldn't be allowed either. Now, bad enough to say, the last month of school, right before our first and only <laughs> drama performance, he got uh, he got let go because of some inappropriate behavior he had with another another teacher uh, on school premises. So, the red flags were there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, back to this fun movie, not our true lives. <laughs> <laughs> So any other, but any other like teaching moment things that that kind of jumped out at you? I think you covered a lot of them. Yeah, I don't know. I've probably covered most of them. I, I mean, and again, you say teaching moments. There weren't a lot of teaching <laughs> moments. Um, well, were there know, any? Were there any other thing? Any other scenes that like were we talked about the zany stuff that could t- totally couldn't happen? But any other scenes besides the beginning scenes that you felt like were pretty accurate? As a teacher, or that you could, um, or you could relate to in some some way, shape, or form. You know, I honestly, don't know because it kind of falls apart at being, you know, really a, a teaching movie as soon as summer school starts. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, they go a little over the top that when. You know, a, a lot of students, when they have a substitute, you know, they go a little bit more crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, I even loved when the system, the vice principal was, and they started doing the hum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That was, it, like, it's just genius. And that's something <laughs> that teenagers would do. Um, you know, but in terms of actual, like, teaching moments, there just, there really weren't a lot of them. Right. Um to, to really connect with again there was all this stuff of you know an, an educator you know should never do that uh and again it's it's a movie you right know, you, you get what they're trying to do but uh you and know, yeah there's, there's, yeah once again once again just like we talked about in last week's episode our last episode about vacation you know especially in the 80s those those comedies back then were not really pretty much based in reality. I mean, you're expect, expected, you're, they're almost expected to be not realistic just to yeah. make it even more, uh, to add that next level of comedy to it. So, yeah. Cause it's just like, yeah, you talked, um, you talked in the vacation episode, you know, when they get the Wally world, they're riding the roller coasters. Right. Wonderful. Yeah. Who's controlling yeah. the roller coasters? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah. And so it's the same thing, you know, you're just, you're going because yeah even with you know pam she has this story as to why she can't live um uh, live there but you're going like okay but does she not have parents right um, yeah yeah like yeah. is and if the parents aren't there is her brother her legal guardian right right like, well, the, well um, then my question was when she actually leaves shoop's apartment you never find out where she goes. Like, does yeah. she is she homeless? Is she sleeping on a bench somewhere? You know, uh, is she you know sleeping on a surfboard in a lifehouse station at night? We don't. I mean, um, 
That so I, I had that question as well when I was watching it. Yeah, so. honestly, that didn't even cross my mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because that was the thing, and you know, and then, and they don't even address. So, do these kids take this class all over again in fall? Right. Right. You know, uh, you know, how many times do they get to take it? Um, you know, stuff like that. You know, we, you know, even, even Larry, we're like, uh, you know, why exactly was he? I don't think I, I even picked up on why exactly he was stripping. Yeah. I didn't really get that either. Just like he, that he wanted a job and that's what he did, but he didn't want to tell anybody yeah. he was 16. Like pretty much they explained that that's why he was always asleep. Right. But they didn't really explain why he was doing it because... Yeah. You know, his and then, mom, even at the end, like, didn't, other than finding out he was doing it, didn't right. seem to be that concerned about it. <laughs> right. And then I might have got distracted, but how did Mr. Shoop even end up at the strip club? Do you remember? No, I do not, actually. And it yeah. was like, when I got to that scene, I was I like, I was like, I should rewind this to see, because I couldn't remember. I was like, was I distracted for a minute and missed some part? Because, Yeah. But again, that goes back to this movie just being, here's a moment, here's a moment, here's a moment. Yeah. Um, because even when you're, even when you're talking about, uh, you go back to the beginning and you've got all of these, uh, you know, field trips that he's taking them on. Right. You're like, okay, hold up. You know, there's a lot more to going on a field trip. Than just kids, and of course they clearly, as they show, they forge their parents' yeah. signature. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but I'm going. There's, there's still a lot more. You know, like how did they get there? Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, they have. To, he, he would have had to have put in, at least knowing the way it is as a teacher, you right. have to put in for a school bus to mm -hmm. take you. Right. And but you've got to go through your channels, which means someone knows where you're going. Yeah. Um. Well, there's one you know, fun fact about the roller coaster and petting zoo was actually shot at Knott's Berry Farm in California. Uh, but actually, Los Angeles area schools and summer camps go to field trips at Knott's Berry Farm all the time. So much so the field trip is actually defensible. So it's like, you know, now what they were actually learning there. This yeah, I was about to say, that's where, because, again, this is the 80s. I was a kid. Education change changes. Right. But, you know, like... Uh, I haven't, I haven't done a field trip in years, but back when I did have to fill out for a field trip, you even have to, you know, state like these What's are the educational purposes. Right. This is right. what the students will learn by doing it. Um, this is what the students will have to do. You know, like whether it's write a, you know, a reflection on what they mm -hmm. learned or or do this worksheet yeah. that connects it to what they were. Doing. So yeah, right. that's my thing. Is hey. I will give him a point. He did tell them to write a report of a review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre after they watched the movie. So <laughs> he did at least try to put some kind of <laughs> some some kind of uh, English lesson there. So now, have you ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh yes. Oh, okay. Of course I've seen you have. The entire series. Of course you have. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't try to get away with a horror movie. <laughs> So, all right, so let's talk about that, that scene. You know, you said it was your favorite scene. Um, so talk a, little, talk a little bit about it. What was, I mean, was just the special effects were great. I mean, that that scene is probably the most iconic for me. Like, that's the scene that I remember the most because 
I remember being so realistic as a kid and being so in awe of the effects that they were able to do um, for that scene. Well, and that that ties in, too, about what I was talking about of Mr. Shu finding a way to connect with them. Um, You know, because, yeah, to look at the fact that within what you are to assume is a day. Right. um, You know, they, they arrange that entire thing. Um, you know, you know, part of you's you're you're going okay. Well, where did they get all the stuff? Now you assume later when you see Chainsaw's bedroom. Yeah, exactly. Chainsaw just has this stuff. Right, right. Um, but but even even the like fake table that Larry had the fake legs. Um, you know, his guts were spewing out. Yeah. You know, I'm going. That takes time. Right, right. And yeah. And, you know, it was very well done. And so if if they could have had a moment where Mr. Shoot, you know, kind of connects with the, you know, you spend the time on this, you know, well, what if you related into that? Right, you know, right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how easy that would have been considering it was supposed to be an English class. But, um, but still just finding those moments, um, you know, and I'm – I'm still confused as to what was supposed to be going on with Rhonda. I didn't know if it was supposed to be that she ate like a eraser. I thought it was like an eraser, I, yeah, yeah, a ruler or an eraser. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I didn't quite understand that one. And then I want to say because I, you know, there were moments where I kind of wish I had hit rewound to look at again. But the um, whatever student was the hand. Yeah. He comes up and I'm going, who, who is, is that? that? I said the same yeah. thing. I was like, because I, and, and like, he's there, like when they're talking to the, you know, when the, the vice principal, when the, the sub teacher are talking to the class, he's clearly the tallest person standing in the back. And I'm like squinting, like, okay, I recognize everybody else, but who is that? And like, it's like, maybe he's just, he was like a friend of Chainsaw and Dave's just helped him that day, but there was no, there's no explanation of him standing there. So, uh, and you never see him again. No, exactly. So He's yeah, not just a random kid sitting in the classroom <laughs> in other yep. scenes. I thought yeah, the no, same thing. To me. I thought the same thing. Dude. All right. So there were actually some extra scenes and deleted scenes that didn't make the final film. And I found this list that I thought, you know, I don't think actually helps any of the plot holes that we talked about, but at least it'll give us something else to kind of consider. So at least the Reiner cut. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The Reiner cut included, <laughs> The students breaking out into dance after their scores were read, which was probably wasn't even really that great. Uh, another was intended to depict the embarrassment of when your parents kiss you goodbye. So Alan Inken, uh, Richard Stephen Horvitz's grandmother, kisses him goodbye on the mouth and the camera circles them. So I guess that that was at the end as well, which would have been gross. And I'm glad they cut that out. Uh, when Mr. Shoop comes in with his briefcase for the first day of class... Uh, James Cameron, or not James Cameron, <laughs> Dean Cameron. Uh, Dean Cameron ad-libbed the line, hey, look, it's the sexiest man alive. Uh, Cameron says Harmon finished the take and then chased him into the parking lot after it was over. So, because he had been the sexiest man alive before that. Yeah. So. Now, this one I yeah, saw. That was, yeah. that was another scene that didn't really go anywhere. You know, he comes in, he's trying to be all serious. Right. And just... Yeah. You know, because cause that made me think of, uh, you know, like uh, Dangerous Minds. Right. Where Michelle Pfeiffer has to take on a different persona. Right. And, and all. And, 
Yeah, this, again, there's just so much. <laughs> there was no connections to any of this. All right, so this one I saw in a couple of different places. It said the lyrics to James Brown's song, Papa Got a Brand New Bag, are written on the chalkboard behind Mr. Shoop during one of the assignments to write a complaint letter. A scene was actually filmed but not used where Shoop diagrams the lyrics and actually sings the song to the class. Now, see, that actually could have been a pretty interesting yeah, scene. Yeah, I would have liked um, to have seen that part. You know, especially if they had a character, which they didn't, mm-hmm. but if they had a character that was, you know, into music, right. you know, singer-type thing, you know, showing that connection, right. that could have that potentially could have been a pretty good scene. So there was also another another scene... It wasn't just Chainsaw who had success with his complaint letter. Another complaint letter was written to a hair product company, and the deleted scene had a shipment of hair products arrive with the students using the hair products on each other. This is why Larry's hair is different in this one scene. I didn't, I didn't catch which scene that was, but I think Larry's got his head down for almost <laughs> the majority of the movie, so yeah. you don't even realize this could have been later, like when he was actually when he got fired, and was actually paying attention, so. And then Larry finally, you finally see Larry for the first time, and you think he's the same age as the teacher. Right, right, yeah. He definitely looked older, the oldest of the of the students. So, all right. So uh, the movie's release date, July twenty second, nineteen eighty seven, coincided with uh, the uh, Patrick. I'm gonna mess up his last name. Patrick Labertoes, who played Kevin, and that was actually on his twenty second birthday. He had all the cast members come over to his house in Northridge for a pool party where they were all going to watch Siskel and Ebert review summer school on their show at the movies. Oh, no. Yeah, it didn't go so well. <laughs> in the review, Gene Siskel laments that Harmon would, would waste the goodwill he earned on TV by choosing summer school as his first feature film role, saying it won't win him any fans. Ebert said it was a total innocuous, forgettable film that people won't remember a week after they've seen it. So today, Summer School is considered a cult classic that many count as one of their favorite films of the 80s. Incidentally, Chainsaw and Dave's reference at the movies throughout the film, mimicking Siskel and Ebert's style and signature thumbs up. In real life, Siskel and Ebert both gave the film a thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> Not surprised there. But hey, it did it did make it to number one at the box office its opening weekend with $6 million. So it wasn't a big... Uh, big dollar haul back then. It I, would, did you by chance see what it was up against? Like, I'd be very curious. Uh, I did. Actually, I didn't see, but it, it, uh, lost boys came out the following weekend and took the number one spot. So no, of course. no, no shock there. Uh, it went on to make $35 million worldwide and it ranked 27th for the top grossing films of that year between no way out starring Kevin Costner and the golden child with Eddie Murphy. So, but not to be not not surprising. Uh, currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at sixty three percent on the Tomato Meter with a fifty eight percent audience score. Uh, it didn't do any better on IMDb. It's got a six point six out of ten with a twenty seven percent on Metacritic. So twenty seven percent might be a little low, but I think the others are fair. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is just kind of one of those in the middle movies. Yeah. Yep. I mean, once again, I. I think it, it has the nostalgia for me because, once again, I remember watching it as a kid. You know, and it's one of those summer movies I remember just watching during the summer and, you know, mindless summer entertainment, you know, much like Full House and Fuller House because when we watch that that kind of show, I'm not, I'm not watching it to really um, 
I'm not learning any real lessons, even though they have those sentimental moments, I guess. But it's really just to kind of forget about life and, and laugh at stuff. So, but, uh, Yeah, but at least in, in those sitcoms, you at least have where the characters are clearly learning something. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I have not... I mean, I, I think one of the only things you get is there's... And it's a throwaway scene mm-hmm. when they, uh, you know, find Mr. Shoop sitting on the beach asking him to come back. Right. And Chainsaw and Dave both talk about how they've been sober for like the last four days. Right, right. And I'm going, well, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, Do you want to learn English? Because that's what you really need to find. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're again, you're, you're, um, you're, you're teenagers. Right. That shouldn't be that big of a deal. Right, right. Um, you know, because that, that's my thing. You know, even, even uh, uh, Denise... Like, mm-hmm. you get, like, maybe a quick shot of them trying to help her with the dys- dyslexia, mm-hmm. and then she talks about how she's been seeing a, a tutor specialist. specialist. Yeah, yeah. But you you don't see that, it's and, not, it's, and you're missing out on that. I mean, they, they even, they had a moment where, you know, they, they play up this thing about how Mr. Shoop is a surfer. Mm-hmm. You know, they even during the final uh, test, he's sitting there reading a surfing magazine. Right. You know, but all they use it for is at the very beginning for him to connect to Pam. Right. Just for Pam to develop kind of a love right. interest. Right, right. The crush. And yeah. Mr. Shoe. Right. Yeah, a little crush. Um, you know, and that, that's all they use that for. Mm-hmm. Where I'm going, that could have been used for something. Right, right. Um. Because that's really the only time he talks about surfing is when he's talking to Pam. Because I think he talks, he uses that as an analogy again when he tells her that you know when she fixes dinner for him at the at his place, and then he talks about the perfect wave or whatever. So yeah, but yeah, that yeah at the beginning when she gets caught, you know, skipping to to go surf, you know, and he talks to her, he uses lingo mm-hmm. that only a surfer would use, and. And I'm going, okay, there's your connection. Right. Now let's show how you're going to use that to help teach. And mm-hmm. they don't do that. Right. Um, you know, uh, there was a, another thing that popped into my head, and I think I have lost it now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there was so, so much potential in some of the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> you know, they kind of just throw away the the moment where he throws the the dog's chew toy into the ocean. Right, right. Because in that same scene, just a few minutes later, the dog just comes back and sits next to him. Mm-hmm. But then they have a scene later where he's cutting the head know, off another dog. The animal's head off right. and the dog's not showing any interest. And I'm going, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, Yeah. I, yeah, there was just so much about the movie that just... I was like, oh, okay. There was. It's like they tried to do too much in a silly hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, it's and really there was no, yeah. no, you know, no thread that held the whole thing together. Um, you know, it, even even there at the end, you know, they take the practice test, and he's talking about how good they did. And I get he's doing that so that they have confidence. Mm-hmm. But then clearly, you know, they all leave, and he turns around and. You can tell he just lied to all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And then we get the most random scene of the movie. <laughs> Chainsaw's Nightmare. Chainsaw's Nightmare. Yeah. Um, you know, straight out of nowhere. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, that, that maybe could have worked earlier in the movie. And then that's his realization. Yeah. Of he's got to do something. Yeah, there was just so, so much... And, let me ask you this. Okay. So, so the the foreign exchange student. Mm-hmm. Why was she taking the class? I yeah, I don't really know that. I don't have an answer to that question. Either. Because again, going back to what I said earlier, if the whole reason these kids are having to take summer school is because they didn't pass that one test, mm-hmm. yet they made it clear that she didn't have to take the test, or that she already took it and passed it. I think is what they said. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Why was she taking the class? That made no sense. Right. Just uh, another. They, I think it's one of those like putting in the the typical teenage trope of you know the hot student that the that the guys are going to go after, you know, something for tick for uh, Chainsaw and Dave to, you know, try to set their affections on. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, not 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 one that I'm going to be going. I'm good. I need to see that again. Right, right, right. Well, uh, if you didn't know, Paramount has been trying to reboot Summer School for quite some time. Okay. <laughs> I think it almost got made in 2001, and the last was in 2012 when Adam Sandler was handed the film for a remake through his Happy Madison Productions. Since that announcement, unfortunately, there's been no word on a production moving forward. But it is still listed as IMDb, as in, in production or in development. So, no. Again, if if Netflix wants to try to do it as a limited series, yeah, I might, you know, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I like your idea. I think I think it lends itself more to television. Which, once again, maybe Je- I mean, I should have looked up some other Jeff Franklin writing credits because if you know, clearly his. Television is more of his wheelhouse than feature film. Um, so uh, if that was his first shot at trying to make a screenplay into a movie, uh, you know, he got a little bit of success with it. But um, Yeah, but no, that, that's just, uh, it was bad. So, so, you know, cleanse your palate, go watch some reruns of Head of the Class on Roku Channel. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> I actually started. I actually went back and started watching that a couple of months ago. I went on a, a binge of old head of the class episodes. So yeah, and see, some of those students became successful enough to write for Nickelodeon. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, Brian Robbins has done really well for himself. He's directed several movies with Eddie Murphy, in particular. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, this has been a good discussion about summer school, even though it was somewhat of a lackluster movie overall. But <laughs> that was hey. still, it. Was still enjoyable. I mean, it's not one that you're going to be upset that you spend an hour and a half to watch. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're not going to finish it and go, oh, I got to tell someone <laughs> you know, they need to see it. Or, yeah. I got to go on Amazon and, you know, add that one to my collection. Right. Yeah, um, there, there's a reason why this one wasn't on our 80s, ultimate 80s movie bracket list. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's like I said, it's it's more nostalgia for me, and it's, like I said, it's a fun kind of summer, you know, mindless entertainment movie. But it's it's not going to make anybody's top ten list or top twenty, not even top fifty list probably. Yeah. 
There's like I said, I, there's 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 better. I mean, any John Hughes movie is going to be better than this one. But once again, I don't think it was trying to be a John Hughes movie either. So. Well, I mean, there's yeah. I'm 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 trying to think of like what's a better version of this movie, um, and I just I honestly I can't. The only thing uh, the, the only thing I thought it was Breakfast Club only because of the misfit not misfits but like your the group of students that from different backgrounds that are trying to somewhat but even that even that's a stretch because John Hughes does it so much better in Breakfast Club and, that, and you know I mentioned earlier Stand and Deliver but Stand yeah. and Deliver is more of a drama oh yeah that that's definitely and uh, and based on a true story so it's totally totally different uh, different type of movie so. You know, even though they're the misfits that no one believes in mm-hmm. and don't do anything. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, you're you're not going to be upset to sit down and watch summer school, you know, on a, you know, weekend or summer day where you, you know, don't have anything else to do. But, right. But no, this isn't, this isn't one that you're, you're going to fondly go... You know what? I haven't seen summer school in a while. <laughs> right, right. All right, there, Mary. I appreciate you being on this one, and I got you lined up for a couple episodes in the future, and we'll have fun on those episodes too. So, once again, thanks for being a part. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. First, you can send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. That's M-O-V-I-V-I-E-W-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our show notes. Hey, and if you leave us a message, we may just use it for an upcoming mini episode. Another way to reach us is the Movie Views Facebook group and Instagram. There you'll find news and reviews for current and upcoming movies, not just the 80s movies we talk about here. Also, be on the lookout for our next mini-episode. Each mini-episode offers some fun segments about the previous full episode, and we'll also introduce the next 80s flick we'll be watching and covering in the next episode. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a 5-star rating, leave us a stellar written review, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. No matter which podcast platform you're listening to us on, be sure to read the show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia that we just weren't able to get a chance to talk about during this episode. Well, that's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s Flick Flashback.